<clears throat> you know, there are so many, so many things going on in this world today. Um, and even in our own, in our own city. Could you lower it down, please? Thank you. You know, even, even in our own community, you know, there's just a, a number of things going on that, you know, we read it in the, about a, things in the paper or see it on, on the news. Uh, you know, the pain that, that, that might affect us, but uh, consider the families also, you know, we've had a number of, of, of traffic uh, fatalities, uh, a couple of them because of excess speed and, uh, you know, and it's just so tragic and it hurts, you know, to see these things. And then we have these children that, you know, that are, uh, what were their little, what is it, five-month-old child that's missing. And, uh, you know, and we, we tend to think, you know, these things, if, if we stay just on top of things as far as, if you ever want anything to pray about, man, open the newspaper, especially locally, and, and just say, you know, Lord, this is our city. This is where you've called us to be, and we need to come before your throne on behalf of those that can't come or don't or can't come because of their age or because of their condition. And, and the little, you know, four-year-old boy as well that, you know, there's all the trials going on. Just so heavy, you know, so many, so many things going on. And, and uh, Fred just gave me a, a, a note to pray for his sister, Blanca, who's, as we speak, going into, uh, into emergency surgery. So we want to pray for her. But let's also consider our, our, our community right now, too, because uh, we're supposed to be light in this community. So uh, let's begin by, by praying for this community with all of our hearts. So join me in a word of prayer as we get ready to study his word. Our Father, I thank you for the privilege of coming to your throne of grace this evening and especially, Lord, to pray for the, the, the needs and the burdens of our, of our community and our family here. We especially lift up Blanca to you, Lord, uh, just a loving sister. And we, we know Fred's sister that's um, going into emergency surgery right now and we don't know the condition or the reason, but you do. And so, Lord, we commit Blanca into your loving and healing hands, Father, and that you would bring her through this surgery and, Lord, uh, to a speedy and uh, complete healing and recovery, Lord. We, we just lift her up to you and for Fred's family as well, Lord God, as they, as they bear this particular burden in their lives, Lord, it is our burden as well. And we do pray for our city and, and, and certainly, Lord God, all of these uh, issues and, and uh, things that, that, that are going on that are causing a tremendous amount of pain and hurt and, and um, uh, that in our, in our, uh, in our communities, our, our citizens, our families here. And we, we know, Lord God, that the only answer and solution is, is the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what we pray, Father, that there will be that outlet or that uh, that inroad, as it were, to uh, to bring the truth of the gospel, Lord God, to those who desperately needed the families of those losing loved ones, or uh, Lord, just even those that uh, have committed uh, wrongs, terrible wrongs. Father, we pray for them tonight. 
We ask, Father, that as we look at uh, and study your word uh, and consider, Lord, all the things that are going on in, in, in our world today, they are certainly pointing to the coming of, of Jesus Christ. And so I pray that it makes us more aware of what our responsibilities are in prayer as well as in action. And, um, Lord, keep us a well church, a worshiping church, an evangelizing church, a learning church, and a, and a loving church until the day of Jesus Christ. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Revelation chapter 13. Verses 11 through 15 will be our text. I'm going to read from verse 11 down to verse 18. As I told you, we were going to get into, you know, try to finish this off. And boy, it just keeps, you know, things just keep expanding this study more and more. But we are going to go through these four verses here. And, and so that's, you know, that's quite a feat for us sometimes on Wednesday night to go through four verses. So, but uh, the, again, there's, there's just these... Setups to the next portion, which actually I, I, I was ready to speak about tonight, dealing with, you know, the mark of the beast and the 666 thing. But uh, now I'm really going to whet your appetite for it next time. So, yeah, all right. <laughs> but we might, we might talk, we have a little time, we might talk a little bit about it. But let's look at verse 11 and begin our reading because... We've already been introduced, of course, to the, the great dragon, which is, of course, Satan, and then, of course, the, the beast that came out of the sea at the beginning of this chapter being the Antichrist, and we've done four weeks of dealing with the Antichrist. And I don't like spending that much time giving Antichrist all of this, but we have to learn what we're looking at as far as the prophecies of the end times and the prophecies, certainly, of, of the tribulation period. So it's, it's really important that we, we have all of that down and under uh, our belts, as it were. But now, today, we meet another character. And it tells us in verse 11, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spoke as a dragon. And he exerciseth all the power of the first beast before him, and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast, whose deadly wound was healed. And he doeth great wonders, so that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth, that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak, and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads, and that no man might buy or sell, save he that had the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that has understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. And his number is six hundred, threescore and six, which means six hundred and sixty-six.
In our studies of the first 10 verses of Revelation chapter 13, we have focused our attention on the rise of the Antichrist, the beast, that great dragon, the Satan himself, brought out of the nations of the world, specifically out of the sea, and that primarily from the Mediterranean region. It is this beast who will rise up bringing false peace to the Middle East, especially in the city of Jerusalem, and generally speaking, answering the multifaceted problems of the world. Because in effect, the whole world is impacted by the presence of this Antichrist. But I want you to think for just a moment that even today, the world is impacted by the the very issues that we deal with on a daily basis in three levels. And I'm going to hopefully come back to these three levels tonight. But that is in the political, in the societal or cultural, and in the religious. And I know that on Sunday I I, I said that, uh, you know, there's some things never change. But we've seen a lot of changes in the last 50 years globally. We've seen a lot of changes take place among nations and in nations and over the last 15, 20 years or so we've seen great changes in our own country all of them on those levels of society culture of, po- of politics and of religion or if you want to call it spiritual things but I think you all understand when I say religion what that means the masses will be drawn to this Antichrist and they will worship him as they also worship the dragon now with that statement let me also add this when you think of a whole world turn toward one person to worship we would almost have to say that seems almost impossible until you realize that in great countries there have been leaders where the whole country has had to focus on one leader as if he's a god is it impossible no not anymore as globally as all the world has become in the sense of communication and knowledge. And that's something, of course, that we also see in the book of Daniel that we're told how much knowledge will increase in the last days. And knowledge that will bring through deception an understanding that now we have to deal with, uh, deal greatly with the things that seem to be causing rifts in achieving global peace. And I, and I do mention that one great stumbling block to global world peace as the world might want it is the church. It is 
Christianity in general. It is the Word of God, specifically the person of Christ, more specifically, and God as the creator of the heavens and the earth, more specifically. Do you see that? Do you see this? Uh, what I'm saying? I'm, I'm not going over anybody's head about these things. Now we see a tremendous opposition to the gospel of Jesus Christ worldwide. We see it even in our own country. So, none of these things are improbable nor impossible as we talk about them going through the book of Revelation. So the world is being, and in some cases has already been primed for this person and for these events as people are seeking after experiences and excitement which will be provided by this beast. Now, I know that we've run through these scriptures before, but let's look at them one more time. 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 9 through uh, 12. Uh, The coming of the lawless one. The lawless one being another name for the Antichrist or the beast. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. Satan. (laughs) The working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Power, signs, and lying wonders. Is it possible? Obviously is because it's in the Word of God. But notice with lying wonders. So there, there are deceptions as well in the power that is being expressed. Uh, and with all unrighteous deception. So it's not only deception. You go to a, a, what's called a magic show. Uh, we know that it's not really magic. We know that, uh, well, we, some people would think it might be. Uh, and it's possible, but we, we call it sleight of hand, you know. So uh, it's, it's illusion. So there's, there, there could be some illusion that's, that's being done here, but add to that an unrighteous deception. Not only the means by which these lies and powers and signs are taking place, but also the underlying current of what these things are all about. It is an unrighteous deception. So it lets us know right away it's an evil deception. It's wicked deception. It's not a deception that comes from God because God does not deceive. Uh, Do we have that firmly planted in our hearts and minds? So with all unrighteous deception that can only come from Satan and this lawless one, among those who perish. Now notice, among those who perish... Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. We can think of worldwide implications here. In the last days, we consider once again reasons why the church is not in the uh, uh, time of the Great Tribulation or, or even the Tribulation period of the seven years. Uh, because God is going to be dealing with all those who have not received the love of the truth. Will there be believers? Yes, we've talked about that. We've talked about tribulation saints. We've talked about those who have listened to both the evangelists, 144 evangelists, that we're going to talk about a little bit more later, that we've already talked about, and also the two witnesses that preached at the very uh, entrance to the temple and uh, in Jerusalem that we talked about as well, that they're going to, in other words, uh, do that. 
Anyway, so because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So the world is looking, you see, for answers in all the wrong places. The world is looking today for answers in all the wrong places. And even in the church today, for those of you who remember just a week ago or so when we had the White is the Gate conference. But even in the church today, we see a growing trend toward experiential spirituality or experiences at an alarming rate instead of professing Christians standing firm on the Word of God. And interestingly enough, Jesus himself said in Matthew 12, 39, he says, but he answered, he said to them, an evil and adulterous generation, he says, seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Well, constantly in the scriptures, we're told to beware of the of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. We'll get to that verse of scripture in a moment, but... Yet many, many are seeking after signs. Many are seeking after signs today. And they're seeking after signs and wonders, as it were, together, instead of the truth that is found in God's Word. Very quickly, let me mention something written by Rodney Howard Brown. How many of you are familiar with the name Rodney Howard Brown? Anybody? A few, maybe? Okay. Well, Rodney Howard Brown was the originator of... Uh, considered to be the originator of the holy laughter movement back in the late 80s, early 90s. A Pentecostal preacher, a word of faith preacher as well. And he wrote a book called The Coming Revival. I believe it was in 1991, I think. And he wrote this. He said, I'd rather be... And I want you to listen carefully what he said. This is supposed to be a preacher of the gospel, but... I I really struggle with that statement. He said, I'd rather be in a church where the devil and the flesh are manifesting than in a church where nothing is happening because people are too afraid to manifest anything. And if a devil manifests, don't worry about that either. Rejoice because at least something is happening. Did you hear that? I don't want to repeat that again. In his book, The Coming Revival, I think it's on page... Nine, I think it's on page nine, all right? Don't quote me on that. It could be between six and nine. It's early on in the book, I think. Anyway, he says, I'd rather be in a church where the devil and the flesh are manifesting than in a church where nothing is happening because people are too afraid to manifest anything. And if a devil manifests, don't worry about that either. Rejoice because at least something is happening. Now, does that sound like the gospel of Jesus Christ to you? Or does that sound like the work of the Holy Spirit in the church? I don't think so. Therefore, if you go back to looking at some of the videos from those early times or the late 80s, early 90s, when this holy laughter movement was going on in churches and you would see people just laughing, laughing up a storm, rolling in the aisles. It went from doing that to actually barking in the church or making animal sounds and growling and you know, doing all kinds of weirdness. Well, at least something was happening, so it must be the Spirit. Would you not say that's deception? If you compare it to the Word of God.
thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people thought this has to be right. Well, it goes without saying that this is a dangerous theology to hold on to, but it shows the reason that so many are drawn. Well, certainly lack of discernment. But experience seekers, seekers of experience, are not bothered by the truth. Seekers of experience are not bothered by the truth. But the Lord does not want us to give in and accept everything that blows in our direction just because it seems spiritual. As I said on Sunday, a lot of people go seeking after signs and wonders, but the Bible teaches something totally different. That signs and wonders actually followed those who believed. What a difference. What a difference. Therefore, in 1 John 4, 1, it says, Beloved, I don't want to add anything to the Word of God here, but I, I, every time I hear John say beloved, or I, I see him write the word beloved in, in, in the letter to the church, when he says beloved, I, I think how tender his heart was toward the church. To say, you who are so loved, loved by me, but especially loved by Jesus Christ. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. They were out there in John's time. They're definitely out in our time. It's like one big Halloween night. All the time. Scary. And what about 1 Timothy 4 verses 1 and 2? What, what Paul says, he says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith. What faith is that? The faith delivered unto the saints. The, 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 the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. He says, some will depart from that faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And I have to tell you, that if you get into some situation, or maybe you experienced it yourselves in those churches in those times, where they were just people laughing, laughing, and laughing, and rolling in the aisles and barking, you have to take into great consideration that some of that was deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons because they were definitely not sound doctrine. And then he says, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. Get back to those guys. Actually, it's one guy. It's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Beware of false prophets. Now you might be asking, why am I bringing this up now? Why is this important to our study of the rest of this chapter? Well, simply because the deception is not going to be merely political and cultural in nature. The deception that is coming, that is yet to come during that time of the Antichrist, 
is not going to be merely political and cultural in nature. The very fact that we'll be dealing with a person that we will call a false prophet here in a moment brings the deception into the religious or the spiritual realm as well. Which in essence completes what we can call the unholy trinity. The unholy trinity that will be now made manifest and uh, that during the, the last half of the tribulation period, deception will flow like a river and many will be swept into its waters and drown in its false doctrine. The unholy trinity. The counterfeit to God the Father who created all things and created all things to be good. Spoke all things into existence. And even when he created the angels, created this Lucifer, son of the morning, who became, because of his pride, Satan, the devil, the great dragon. There's God the Father. What did Satan want want him to do? He says, no, I will sit on the throne of the Most High. I, I, I. And his pride. Got the best of him. And will get the best of him. But he's the counterfeit of God. The Father. And then there's, of course, the Son, Jesus. The only begotten Son of God. If we believe in the only begotten Son of God, to as many as believe in Him, to them gave He the right to become the sons of God, to as many as believe in His name. Well, we have Christ, and now we have an Antichrist. Who tries to show Himself off as, as some kind of Christ figure. Then there's the Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, that gives testimony to Jesus and to the Father. The false prophet comes and in a counterfeit way tries to give testimony to the Antichrist. Very similar words are given here. Look at verse 11 of our text. Then I saw, I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth. And he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a a dragon. We see another beast arise on this scene. This time out of the earth. Remember, the other one came out of the sea. Yet the sea that John knew was the Mediterranean. This one comes out of the earth, much more out of the land. John uses the phrase, another beast, alostherion. Another beast, which speaks of another beast of the same kind and nature as the first beast, which is Antichrist. John used the same, group, uh, the same Greek word for another, which is the word alos. In John 14, verses 16 and 17, I want you, uh, this is very important to make this comparison. Jesus said, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. Who is the other helper? Who is another helper? Holy Spirit. So I will give you, or He will give you another helper that He may abide with you, the Spirit of truth, so we know that it's the Spirit, whom the world cannot receive. 
because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now he's speaking to believers. We, when we were not believers, didn't see him or know him, but now we know him, the spirit of truth. From the very beginning of our Christian walk, we know Him. Though we may not see Him with our physical eyes, we we have an understanding in in our hearts and in our spirits of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And therefore, He's been with us from the very beginning of that time because we cannot say that Jesus Christ is Lord except through the Holy Spirit. And then we're told that we, we are given the Holy Spirit that we might be able to confess Christ, and then we're baptized with the Holy Spirit that we might become His witnesses. And then we're baptized in His Spirit so that we may serve according to the way that God has called us to serve Him in whatever gifts He gives us. So, we know Him. The Father sent us another of the same kind, in other words, and nature that is the same as Jesus. The Holy Spirit, like Jesus, is God. Thus he represents God to the believer and teaches us the truths of God. And all in all, still, there's only one God in three persons. So he represents God to the believer and he teaches us the truths of God. That is the Holy Spirit's purpose and, 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 uh, and uh, responsibility. And so the beast that comes out of the earth will have the same nature as the first beast, which is Antichrist. He will also be empowered by Satan himself as the first beast will be. Now, if you look at that verse again, it tells us that there are two horns. The two horns speak of his authority. We've talked about horns speaking of authority, but he has no crown. So understand this. He has horns, but no crown. Which indicates that he is not a political leader. But being the ultimate false prophet that he is, he will reveal himself to be the ultimate religious leader. The ultimate religious leader. Now let me just interject here, kind of like, shh, don't tell anybody this yet. But in, in the last few weeks, I've been, I've been telling you that when you look at the world today, 30, 40, 50 years after some of the, the great prophecy teachers, with, the on, with only the information that they had, just before, well, even 60 years ago, you know, before Israel became a, a, a full-on state, the state of Israel and all of that, uh, and I've been, I've been telling you that some, there was something hidden. We kept looking toward the re- revived Roman Empire. We kept looking at, you know, Europe to be some kind of influence here in these last days. All we see in Europe right now is that they're going down financially and in all kinds of other ways. And the strength that is in Europe today is not even European, but it's Islamic, right? And I've been in, interjecting here little thoughts about Islam. Now that we've come this far, and especially after 9-11, but even before that, though we just didn't really kind of push it, you know, as soon as we realized the European nations weren't just 10 nations, confederacy, there were like 22, and then there were 29, you know, nations, how do you put 29 into 10, you know, all of that kind of stuff. We had to change our, you know, way of thinking about this world global system that's going to be run by one person or at least one who has the influence over them all so once again I want you to consider if you will just consider 
the nation or the, the, the aspect of Islam worldwide. Because when you look at Islam, it is more than just a religion. Islam is a political ideology. It is a cultural ideology. And it is a religious ideology. But one brings about another that brings about another. For one purpose, the subjugation of the whole earth. That is Islam's purpose. I guess I'm just speaking to the choir. You already know this, don't you? But it's those three things. Think about it. One leads to and one, the other leads to another. They come in as a religion of peace. Isn't that what our own president said back at 9-11? Oh, you know, it's not all of the, uh, you know, Muslims that caused 9-11. I mean, most of them, the moderates are, you know, it's a religion of peace. You better read the Quran. And you find out, it's not a religion of peace. Their only peace platform is, Allah is the only God, and Muhammad is his prophet, and when you believe that and, and say that, then you'll have peace. But if you don't, gumbay, chale, vamonos. You're gone. And that's their eventual plan. They come in, they establish then their political views, because eventually the cultural part of it is Sharia law. Have you been hearing about Sharia law in various countries today? In Europe especially? What about Dearborn, Michigan, USA? Wow, that close? It's a tremendous Muslim community up there that has really brought a tremendous influence. It's it could be frightening to see, except that you already know who's really in control, and that's our God. Amen. The God who is above all things. But he said these things would happen. Keep Islam in mind. But I want, because of those three things, now I want you to turn to Revelation 19, verse 20, because there is an end to these two, the beast and, and the false prophet. The beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. Now, the verse goes on a little bit more. I just wanted this part for you to see what it's all about. It's bringing people to worship the image of the beast. So the role of this false prophet will be to support the political ruler who is going to be Antichrist, and there is significance then in the false prophet's appearance. There is significance in his appearance. And I say that prophetically because of the picture in verse 11, where it says that he had two horns like a lamb. But he would speak with evil flowing from his mouth as that of a dragon. Right? Verse 11 says that. He would look like a lamb. You know, clerical robes. You, 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 get, you, know, you kind of say, oh, it's a clerical robe. It's some kind of a priest or, or a minister or imam or something, right? So you have the, 
you know, you, you kind of like become unalarmed until they open their mouth and reveal what they are going to be purposed to do. He will obviously not be a man of God. He will obviously not be a man of our God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but a false prophet which Jesus himself warned us about in Matthew 17, verse 15, when he said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Now we saw the picture earlier, the graphic one. And, and this is the verse from which that comes. Beware of false, prophet, uh, pro, false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. They, they have an agenda to destroy. They have an agenda to kill or to destroy and to, and, and, and to change <coughs> things from the way God wants them to the way that the devil wants them. And later on in... In, in, uh, in Matthew 24, which is the Olivet Discourse, Jesus said, For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the very elect. See, I have told you beforehand. I, I'm letting you know ahead of time these things are going to happen. The very desire of the Antichrist and the false prophet will be to turn the hearts of the people away from the true and living God. Even during that time, there's still some influence, you see. I mean, because we haven't yet finished with the work of the 144,000 Jewish evangelists that we called them before. Obviously, the influence of the two witnesses upon the people who believed them that Jesus Christ was the true Messiah, most of them Jewish believers now become Jewish saints in Christ who will give their lives now, many of them as tribulation saints, for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of Christ and for the sake of the kingdom. So there are still people that need to be convinced. In the, in the world of, uh, that is yet to come. Now, their deception will be so believable. Now listen. Their deception will be so believable that many will fall by it and by the lying signs and the wonders that they will be allowed to perform. A lot of people in our own, in our own country today are not religious people. We'd like to believe Gallup polls and all kinds of other polls that, st- that tell us that, you know, the United States of America, 90% of the people believe that there is a God. But that's the, wrong, that's the wrong question to ask, because the question is, which God do you believe in? A lot of people believe in the God of the NFL. And spend most of their time on Sundays just, you know, worshiping at the shrines. Some of them 60 inches, some of them... 55. Hey folks, I like football. I like to watch it. I go home after church on Sunday. I turn it on and I I watch it so I can fall asleep. Because I'm tired. It's been a long day. But I like football. I I like sports. I was an athlete, I think. Might have been one day. Unless I just thought that up myself. I don't know. No, I wasn't. Okay, so anyway, I like it. But you know what? I, I don't let it become my God. It's not my God. I know who my God is. But you know, we have all kinds of other gods. Sorry for you football fans out there. Don't, just don't be foolish, okay? 
It's okay to watch football. Just don't be foolish. But here's the thing. You know, there's so many that just, they, just, they just live secular lives. And they're not convinced about anything. They don't want to be convinced about anything. They want to live their lives. They want to make their money. They want to please their families and give them everything that they want. And just leave us alone. But there's, going, there's coming a time when you cannot be left alone. And eventually you have to make a decision. The problem is, that is going on now. And that is why we have to tell people about Jesus Christ. Because these times are going to come upon them, and they're going to have to make a decision. Either you follow this Antichrist, or you lose your head. And you know, we're going to talk about beheadings pretty soon in the book of Revelation. And when we talk about beheadings in the book of Revelation, who's beheading people today? I don't even have to tell you, right? Okay. So, where are we? Okay. Revelation 13, verse 12 now. And he exercises all the power of the first beast before him. In other words, on his behalf. He exercises this power of the first beast on the behalf of the Antichrist. And he causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. Okay, we've talked about that before. But listen, just as the Holy Spirit draws men to Christ, just as the Holy Spirit draws men to Christ, so this false prophet will draw men to the Antichrist. Do you see now the, the comparisons? And the event that sets off this worship is the Antichrist so-called false resurrection. I mentioned these, uh, I should say, three lessons ago when, I, when studying verse 3 of this chapter that the Antichrist might be a victim of an assassination attempt. I said that might happen. We have to consider every scenario here. But he might be a victim, uh, and I say quote-unquote victim, okay? Quote-unquote victim of an assassination attempt appearing to be mortally wounded so that he may seem to be resurrected from the dead, from the dead and prove to the people that he has power over life and death. But we know that he doesn't. We know that there's only one who has power over life and death, and that's our God. Okay. So this is a deception here. But as we also said, it may be that the resurrection, or this may be the resurrection when we talk about a a mortal wound and all, it also may be the resurrection of a revived Roman Empire, and remember, I I think I mentioned this before, but I'm not talking about so much just Europe. Because much of the Roman Empire during the time of the apostles and during the time of Jesus and the early church, much of the Roman Empire was in northern Africa and in the Middle East. That's a very significant thing for us to remember about the Roman Empire. So when I talk about this resurrection of the Roman Empire, it is more specifically than a resurrection of, and I spoke about this three weeks ago, the Islamic Caliphate. But we'll... we'll pass on from that right now but one thing is for certain whether it's a a a real wound that happens on the body of of the antichrist or this this more symbolic uh, 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 rising of of, from the dead of a of of an ideology or a a, a philosophy as it were Uh, one thing is for certain the beast or the antichrist along with the false prophet will work many signs and lying wonders such as were done in Egypt in the time of Moses and Aaron before Pharaoh. 
If you remember when Moses had to go before Pharaoh and said, let my people go, and he wouldn't do it, then all these signs started happening. And then the, you know, the uh, soothsayers and all of these magicians of the Pharaoh, they went out there and did a, a, a copy of things, you know. Like when, when uh, Moses laid down his rod and it became like a, like a serpent. And, and so the other guys, they did the same thing. You know, they put down their rods and they had the serpents. The good thing is that Moses' rod ate up the serpents of the, uh, uh, the magicians of Egypt. Okay, so we, we know which is the true, ser- the, the true uh, 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 vehicle of the Lord or, or uh, symbol of the Lord. So without going into all of the plagues that were given to Egypt, <clears throat> nonetheless, there were, there were true signs and there were lying signs. Well, there was a certain power allowed the devil. There was a certain power allowed the devil and his demons, but it was still a limited power, as will be the power of the Antichrist. It is powerful, but it is limited. And by the way, the Lord doesn't need the, the enemy to work miracles for him. Because some people think, well, you know, he's going to just let, you know, the enemy do these kind of miracles and things. And getting back to Rodney Howard Brown, it's like saying, well, even the devil, if he manifests himself, it's going to be okay because, hey, something's happening. No, 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 no. God doesn't work that way. And see, and, and, and a lot of times people also say this. Oh, listen, there have been, there've been all kinds of miracles that take place, you know, uh, because they've had an appearance of, let's say, uh, uh, you know, Mary. It was an appear, you know, appearing in Lourdes, or appearing in, in various other places, and people go there, and in their faith, they, they get healed, and, and, and so on and so forth. Okay, the Lord doesn't need the enemy to work miracles for him. And I want you to listen. To Deuteronomy 13, verses 1 through 4. And this should settle the question. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder comes to pass of which he spoke to you saying, Let's go after other gods which you have not known, and let us serve them, Whoops. Okay, verse 3. I'll let you read it. Okay, now. You shall not listen. Notice, you shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams, for the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear Him and keep His commandments and obey His voice and you shall serve Him and hold fast to Him. You know what that's saying? Even if you see something happen, but it's to draw you away from the one true and living God. And here's where the deception comes in. It can happen in, in, these, in all of these big healing services. It can happen in some of these places where an uh, appearance of the a, 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 a Virgin Mary, as it were, happens. But it's a test. Here's the difference between seeking after signs and wonders and letting signs and wonders follow you. 
when you seek after them, you're also seeking, you're going to be seeking after the power behind them. And God knew that. And that's why he told his own people. When they tell you, oh, let's go after other gods and let's serve them because of what you see happening here today. Even though they might have a Bible in their hand, but they're twisting the scriptures over and over and over. God says, I'm testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear him. Keep his commandments. So folks, you see, if a miracle doesn't draw you to God, but to someone or something else, if a miracle draws you to someone or something else, be it an appearance of Mary, or to spirit guides, or rocks, or crystals, or positive confession, or positive mental attitudes, or positive thinking, then we must reject it as coming from the Lord. We have to reject it as if it comes from the Lord. We have to reject that. Because when prayers and adoration are given to anyone other than our God in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, I want you to know that the end is nearer than we think. The end is nearer than we think. We have to hold on to this thought and this truth. I am the Lord. This is God speaking. I am the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. I am Yahweh. I am the Lord Almighty. That is my name. And my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. First thing they used to do when something would happen that seemed to have come out of nature is they would carve an image. And they worshiped rocks and they worshiped trees and they worshiped squirrels and who knows what else. Then I want you to consider this. Look at verses 13. Now going back to our text in Revelation. Verses 13 through 15. And he doeth great wonders. So that he maketh fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast. Saying to them that dwell on the earth. These are the earth dwellers. The majority of the people on the earth at this time. We're being drawn to worship the Antichrist. That they should make an image of the beast, which had the wound by a sword and did live. And he had power to give life unto the image of the beast. Now that could be easily done today. To give any kind of an image today, power to speak, and it says, it says that the image of the beast should both speak and cause that as many as would not worship the image of the beast should be killed. Now, I don't know if you've ever been to Disneyland. But if you go to Disneyland, you can go to the, anima, the animatronics or whatever it is uh, thing, and you get to see Abraham Lincoln, the real Abraham Lincoln. As he moves and, and he talks. Or scar and... 20 years ago. We can make images speak, talk, do things, right? Robotics is a big deal nowadays. Not difficult for that to happen. But the killing part, 
That's an interesting thing. But just as the false resurrection of the Antichrist was to deceptively challenge the power of Christ's resurrection, as well as the resurrection of the two witnesses, because remember the two witnesses also will resurrect, the miracle of calling down fire from heaven by the false prophet will be the answer to the miracle of the two witnesses. When people oppose the two witnesses during the time of their ministry, when, when people will oppose them, which is yet to come, but when they're, they're opposed, fire actually comes out of their mouths and destroys those who oppose them. Until, of course, they themselves are killed, but then after three and a half days, they were taken up into heaven. So the miracle of calling down fire from heaven by the false prophet will be the answer to the miracle of the two witnesses. He will also be granted to give breath to the image of the beast and that the image of the beast should both speak and kill those who will not worship the image. Now, this image will be the abomination of desolation. This image will be the abomination of desolation which Jesus, Daniel, and Paul spoke of. It is an abomination in the sense of being a supreme idolatry. It is an abomination in the sense that it is a supreme idolatry. Very similar to the, to the uh, statue built by Nebuchadnezzar of himself, so that the people, when they would see it, would have to bow to this image. And if they didn't bow to this image, they were killed, executed. It is a desolation in that it will bring the judgment described by the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls. So the image is very critical to our understanding of what is taking place during those 42 months or the last three and a half years of the seven years of tribulation. Once again, in Daniel 9.27, we've, we've read this and confirmed it before, but it says, Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. That's the seven years. Uh, but in the middle of the week, he, speaking of the Antichrist, shall bring an end to, the, uh, to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations... On the wing of abomination shall be one who makes desolate even until the consummation which is determined is poured out on the desolate. So they're going to put a, an image of this beast in the place of the temple. Which again, we talked about the temple being, of course, the, the false temple because it was a temple built by the Jews, allowed for them to build it so they could continue their sacrifices until the Antichrist stops the sacrifices and remember that uh, they still were not accepting Jesus as their Messiah until the two witnesses came to preach Christ. But then nonetheless it says even until the consummation, which is determined, the determination of the time, the time frame is poured out on the desolate. So the pouring out is the judgments, you see. The abomination that brings desolation is the desolation that comes because you have set this image where you should not set it up and the judgment is going to come. The seal judgments talk about it, the trumpet judgments, as well as the bowl judgments, which we are yet to uh, get into, which we're coming closer to doing. Uh, Jesus talked about it in Matthew 24, verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. You've got to understand, this is what it's talking about. Standing in the holy place, in the temple. Paul talks about it this way in 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 3 and 4. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. 
and the man of sin, another name for the Antichrist, is revealed. The son of perdition, another name for the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So that is the initial action of the abomination of desolation. But now we have this image that is set up by the false prophet in the very same place, as it were. So that people will all worship him. This is going to, this is going to include a way for all peoples to see it at the very same time. Which is not an impossibility anymore because of the technologies that we have for instant worldwide communication. But now I want you to understand this. Don't think it's strange that the world will give this kind of worship to the image of a man. Don't even think it's strange. We have seen personality cults in the 20th century as well as today in totalitarian governments such as the Soviet Union, Communist China, as recent as the God worship of the leader of the North Korean people. When you go to these countries or you just see pictures of of these countries, time and time again, you see big, huge posters, images of these leaders all over the place, everywhere. It's actually God worship. They did it with Stalin. They did it with Mao Zedong in China, Stalin in Russia. And every wacko that's ever been a president in North Korea. Man, they're just wacko, those guys. You know who's going to be the next vice president uh, of North Korea? What's his name? Uh, Rodman, the the basketball player. (laughs) Dennis Rodman. With all his tattoos and and his... uh, He's he's considered the, the president. He's... I think he's going to be his, become his pet one of these days. Kind of have him on a leash. You know, look, Dennis Rodman. Because you know. he's real short and the guy's real tall. You know. But they got these images, you know. They got the, you know, the, the big images. It's all God worship. They, they, they become gods. Not unlike Rome and the Caesars who are worshipped as gods. It's not impossible, folks, for this to happen. The ubiquitous and seemingly omnipresent pictures of Stalin and Mao and others are a good example of this kind of worship, of an image. And how interesting that uh, George Orwell, when he wrote his book 1984, how many of you read 1984? Have you? Okay, not not very many. Okay, well, how did you skip out of class, uh, English class, and not read that? You know, well, of course, maybe it was our just our generation, Danny. I think that was it. But we, we read 1984, and you know, it's interesting how uh, images of, you know, that one leader everywhere. You're looking at a picture, you know, sometimes you see it like you think the eyes are following you. Yeah. Uy, que spooky. It's the way it is sometimes. But that's that's it, you know, it's it's, it's idol worship, it's it's... It's God worship. The priming for all that is yet to take place. As I mentioned earlier, we are seeing today as many faiths 
are coming together for conferences and convocations to pray for world peace. Uh, The idea is that we are all praying to the same God, just in a different form or a different way. That's just laughable. I mean, it is just laughable that we all pray to the same God. Our God says, no. I am the Lord. And I give my glory to no one. And I share my glory with no one. Or no thing. So we see witches, Wiccans, professing Christians, Catholics, Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, Native American spiritualists, and many others gathering to pray for peace. But the two problems to all of this, two problems to all of this is the biblical Jesus, and I have to emphasize the biblical Jesus, and the state of Israel. Those are the two problems to world peace today. There are a couple of others. I already mentioned those, right? The church, the true church, the word of God, all of that. But wrap it up in, in the person of the biblical Jesus and the state of Israel. But singularly, Jesus is the stumbling block for these things to take place. Jesus may be looked on as a great teacher by a lot of religions. And yet, what did Jesus clearly say? He said, I am the way. In other words, in the, the, in, grammatically speaking in the Greek, he says, I am the only way. I am the only truth. And I am the only life. No one, no man, no person comes to the Father except through me. Through me. And yet all these other religions and their leaders are calling for this ecumenical movement where there are many ways to God. All that will go by the wayside when the false prophet points to the Antichrist and his image to be worshipped alone. And so I close with, with this. I still got a couple of minutes, so I might add a little bit of something to the end here. But, but uh, let, me, let me close with this. Matthew seven thirteen. It says, enter by the narrow gate. Now, why would you want to enter through a narrow gate? Well, because wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. This is where we get that title for that conference we had just a couple, about 10 days ago. Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it, who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few that find it. And as I said on Sunday, there are fewer and fewer, you know, Christians, true Christians today. More and more people are not coming to church, going to church, not wanting to. Too busy. Sunday's a good day just to rest. I, I don't know how that is. I just love Sundays. 
I love Sundays because I get to come and worship with you guys and, 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 and appreciate the presence of our Lord and of his word. It's exciting. I, I encourage you to set your alarms at five like I do on Sunday. And get ready and just come on. Let's, let's worship the Lord together. Because he said, I'm coming. Jesus said, I'm coming. Come, I'm coming. Don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'm going to return and gather you unto myself so that where I am, there you will be also. What a wonderful, loving God we have. And what a wonderful Savior we have that says, I'm just going to come and gather you to myself. So where I am, there you'll always be. That sounds safe to me. And we want to be safe. After that, there's no more safety. Because then everything turns. And seven years begin of all that we've been speaking of since chapter 4. So I encourage you. Let's bring more people to church on Wednesdays and on Saturdays and on Sundays and on Tuesday nights and on Tuesday mornings and Saturday mornings with the guys and just, you know, Friday nights at the Bible studies and, you know, just let's love Jesus, man. Let's love the Lord. Gee, I just ran out of time. I guess I can't get a 666 here anymore. I really wanted to, honestly. I'm ready for it, you know. But, <clears throat> but we needed to kind of set the, set the stage. And this false prophet is just as important for us to at least understand going into these, these last chapters of the book of Revelation. So, let's pray. Thank you, Father.